This is post apocalyptic. This is Rob. This is John. Uh, John and I saw Predator last night. Um, we did. Afterwards, as always, with most everything, you dissect a movie. Have we gotten to the point? Is it because of age or internet that we can almost not enjoy movies anymore? I still enjoy seeing the movie, but I feel like after I leave the movie now, all I do is just pick it apart, even smaller movies, for no reason. I don't know if it's because everyone does it on the internet, and now it's just ingrained that anytime you see something, you have to totally destroy it, even if it's good. All right. Well, let me ask you this. For you, because I don't know if it's a fair question uh, for you to answer and for me to answer because of what we do, right. this is kind of what we do anyway, but yeah. before the internet, mm-hmm. what did you, what did, did you do that? Did you pick apart movies? Did you? I've always talked about, yeah, like I would see it and talk about it. And I think knowing more now as an adult and what I do, I can see things that I would have not seen as a right. kid. Okay. So it's like, oh yeah, weird edit or, oh, that's a reshoot. Cause I can tell with the wig, Be- not because distracting it's just something i notice it's like i pick up more things so yes i still talked about movies as a kid but i also feel like i watched and then just moved on sometimes yeah well I, well the thing is with everything in the world like social media yeah, yeah. is affecting it you yeah. know from politics to entertainment to um to basically everything the way we live the way we go about our day yeah you know um so yeah, it's this whole postmodern world is blown up, and so like you were just showing me a still from one of the scenes in Predator that didn't happen, mm-hmm. that didn't happen to end up in the cut, yeah, um, is sort of an indicator of like what we can do. I mean, that in essence is picking it apart. Yeah, you know, it's like we can go ahead and see where they shot it, see what the problems were on set, see, you know, what the deleted scenes were, who were the problem actors, that type of thing. Yeah. And in doing that, it sort of, for me, wrecks the movie experience. Mm-hmm. You know, I guess an early version of that would be, like, trailers, which I love trailers. Yeah, yeah. But the best part about going into a good movie mm-hmm. is not knowing anything, just going and walking in. Yeah. Um, I remember uh, being in school and a friend of mine told me to, hey, we're going to go see this movie in the theater. And I'm like, uh, I was editing my my short and uh, I was taking a break and I was like, all right, sure. Mm-hmm. So we went to the theater. It happened to be, the Oscars happened to be that weekend and it okay. happened to be across the street. And this movie happened to be a movie that was nominated for Best Foreign Film mm-hmm. that weekend. I, I did not know. Okay. I just went in, and it blew me away. Mm-hmm. The movie was Immortus Peros. And to this day, it still resonates. Right. But it was like, wow, I didn't know anything about this director, first-time director Yeah. Uh, at that point. I didn't know anything about, like, the lead actor was there, uh, Gael Garcia Bernal, mm-hmm. unknown. Yeah unknown kid and the power of that movie was great yeah and so i was able to like it's an immersive movie anyway but i was able to totally immerse myself into that movie Mm -hmm. um in that world and it was great but now going to the movies having seen the trailer having seen now they release clips now you see countless interviews you read stuff you see these uh stills and photos and you know, people tweeting out, you know, oh, here's 
Brad Pitt in his costume in the Tarantino movie. Yeah. Um, even if you're not looking for it, you yeah. see it. Yeah, it's yeah, it's it's all around you. It's there. You know, it pops up in your feed or yeah. whatever. So you go to the movie with a different sort of lens and a different experience. I'd have to say, with respect to Predator, the all Predator. I knew. I'm sorry, the Predator. I keep calling it either Predators or Predator. Why are they both it right? The Predator, Pre- Predator is the first movie. Predators was the fourth. I think I'm. Okay. I'm not sure where the where it lines up in the thing. The Predator. The, the Predator. So the so the first movie wasn't The Predator. No, it, was it was just Predator. Predator. What was the Danny Glover? Predator. Predator Two. two. Okay. All right. So the Predator. <laughs> I don't know why I thought the first one. Of course, it was just Predator. All right. So the Predator. I only knew like maybe one trailer. Yeah. And I was excited about it yeah. from that trailer. It was well cut. So I kind of went into it a little cold. Like I didn't like read stuff. I like read headline about yeah. an interview, uh, about a review or whatever. But I kind of want to go into things not yeah. knowing. You do too. Not not knowing a bunch about it, so I can just enjoy it mm-hmm. and then read everything after. But I think it does. I think you know with the internet and people releasing you know mistakes and mm-hmm. sort of anachronisms that happen in these movies and you know. Uh, that sort of like if you go on the YouTube and say, "Oh, the mistakes in Star Wars," then yeah. you know have a million hits because people want to see that. People yeah. want to know. People want to sort of demystify the movies, mm-hmm. um, not to the point where we know that you know it's just shooting and yeah. editing and putting it out. But um, I, I do. I, I think that it, you know, there's that charm of not knowing. There's mm-hmm. that charm of. It is what it is. It's sort of contained in that celluloid. I mean, not celluloid anymore, but it's sort of contained in that. And now you get everything. Mm -hmm. You get all the stuff. You know so much about how it was made before you go in. You can look at it. A layman can look at it and go, oh, I know how they did that. Oh, Mm -hmm. I remember seeing an interview about that. So, yeah, I think so. But I do think that a lot of people want to be taken away into Mm -hmm. a story. So I think that people can still enjoy it. Yeah, and that's the thing. I'm not. I always still enjoy the movie experience. Yeah, and I try to watch. I try to always keep everything to a minimum. I'll watch a trailer if it's I'm interested, and then I'm like, all right, cool. I was gonna see it anyways, but now I kind of know what they're doing. But when I'm watching it, I'm in it. Mm-hmm. And the, there's a few times something will take you out, but I try to be in the movie the whole time. And then it's afterwards. It's like, oh, now everything's coming into my head, and then these are the things about. It's not like I'm watching going, lame. Ugh, why would they do that? Right. Once in a while, if it's a really weird, bizarre movie, and it, you might be taken out, going, "Yeah, that was weird." Mm-hmm. Something just jarring pops you out. Like I, to this day, I always tell the uh, watching Saving Private Ryan, and then Ted Danson shows up, and it was just like I hadn't seen him in anything in a while, right. and he just pops in, and it's like, "Oh shit, Ted That's Danson!" True. That is right. Yeah, yeah. He He's... was really good, and I, and I know it's Tom Hanks, I know it's Matt Damon, and I know it's you know all these other people in the right. movie. But I think what it was, I'm just so immersed in Saving Private Ryan. I'm on board with everyone. And then Ted Danson, hey. And you're like, oh, shit, Ted Danson's in this movie? And it was just really, it took me out for one minute. And then I went back into it, and it was fine. But those are the only times, like, when my brain turns off and goes to reality. Yeah. When it's something I didn't, you know. It wasn't like he ruined it, and it wasn't like he turned in a weird plot twist. It was right. like, oh, shit, Ted Danson. Yeah. I had the same reaction to Ted Danson and Saving Private Ryan. You did, <laughs> uh, totally. Like, oh, I really like. 
my initial reaction is, why is this is before Ted, you know, did a, a bunch of other stuff. Yeah. I'm like, why is Ted dancing in here? You know, yeah. shouldn't he be in a bar? Yeah. You know, somewhere. <laughs> it's just like because that character he plays is so iconic. Yeah. That I'm like, well, I only know him in that sense. Why he, he can he do this? Is yeah. he gonna? And he's great. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and everything you see him subsequently after that, he's great. It know? wouldn't take me out now seeing his no. body of work now it would just no. be oh good call getting ted dancing yeah, yeah. he's a strong actor very strong cheers three men and a little baby exactly gritty war movie you're like oh you're like wow oh but spielberg spielberg you know i trust i trust and you know i mean ted and it's not like he it. turns in a bad performance no. and it's like wow you just picked the wrong person it was oh to dance yeah you know and right and in in that that's not lost on Spielberg, but you know, but, but it's not lost on Spielberg. So he knows, hey, people are gonna, and he doesn't see it that way. You know, it's like, oh no, I picked a good actor. Yeah, I want, I, mean, I want to take people out of the movie. Right. <laughs> if he wasn't right for the role, believe me, he wouldn't. You right. know, those types of surprises, you know, yeah. are, are are what's great. And I think there's still some surprises left, and I think there's still some filmmakers who know the landscape, mm-hmm. they know the social media, they know all this stuff. And so they embrace it and go, but I'm still going to try to work a little harder to maybe draw your eyes over here so mm-hmm. I can inject that surprise into my movie. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, on the opening day, they go, oh, my God, I never I didn't know this person was even in the movie. Yeah. Uncredited, whatever. Yeah. Uh, Franco just comes out of nowhere. He yeah. goes, oh, really? Franco's the predator? This was amazing. <laughs> Just wandered on the set. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I think it's harder for people to be surprised. It's harder for me to be surprised. You know, whenever I go to the, see a movie now, it's like I, I'm hoping for that immersive experience. But I haven't gotten it in a long time. And it's part, due in part because of this this social media mm-hmm. um uh, world that we live in. It's like, I just, I just know everything about it. And so there's no surprises. I mean, I still have a bunch to see. I still have a bunch to watch. The predator is also the fifth or sixth predator movie. Right. So it's easier to pick it apart because we have so much. That's true. Predator history. And it's not even picking it apart when, how dare they tread on, you know, the original. It was just sort of, I've already seen this movie. I'm just seeing a new version of the movie we're seeing. It's not like I'm walking out going, oh, it's weird they did this, this, and this. There were just weird moments within filmmaking of the movie. Not so much the Predator stuff. The Predator stuff looked great. Looked like a Predator movie. Right. Like the story points. Story were, points, so, yeah. Some of them were. But the actual design, it, well, the design is, is uh, preordained. But, like, they sort of built on it. And it's 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 a great, I, I have to say, it's a great design. Like, from the first Predator yeah. movie. It's a great design. I mean, like, I can't really... It's almost unimpeachable. It's so good. Yeah. Like, usually, 98% of the time for me, you know, that quote-unquote alien or whatever, it's like... Dude in a costume. Yeah, it's like, eh. But this thing is really, really sleek. It's, you know, it's a killer. I mean, it's a predator, supposedly. And uh, (laughs) and, uh, it it really works, you know. Um, And they do that really well. But I mean, we're in 2018. They, yeah. This is, is what we do. Like visual effects are. But it is funny to now. think, though, we're marveling at that when it was actually created in '87. Like yeah. this predator design is 32 years old totally. now, or 31 years old now. 
which is crazy. So we're looking at it now going, man, they really designed that well. Million. 31 years ago. No, you're right. Really well. You're right. And since then, it's hard, I'm hard pressed to find something that's come close to that, like an alien sort of killing machine that I'm right. like, this is all right. And it's can be frightening too. It's like yeah. scary. I mean, this thing. I mean, so. And you know what I didn't know is because uh, when the credits were rolling, was I didn't know Alan Silvestri did the. I didn't either. Music. Did he just do the whole score? Okay. I don't know. I, I, I did was... not remember that at all. Mm-mm. No, I was. Yeah, I saw that too. It's like, wait, what did he do? Uh, um, I mean, the music's good, but I obviously when you think about Predator, you don't think about the music I in Predator because it's just Arnold, jacked up Arnold, just shooting everyone, just shooting guns. I don't think of the the score. I don't think of the Predator theme. Like, I'm sure it has a theme song, yeah. like the Predator theme. But when they when it, the credits were rolling, it was out. Alan Silvestri Predator, and I went, huh. Did not know. I'll have to revisit that. Yeah. Yeah, I did not. I don't think about the I think about the silence and the sounds of the jungle. Mm-hmm. And that, that's the stuff that resonates. That's the important stuff. I mean, yeah, the I'm creature sure. sound. Yeah, and, exactly. And, yeah, all the, uh, the sounds it, it did, like when things would turn on or off yeah. or shoot. So everything was right. designed. It was more sound, sound design. design. Sound design is really good in it, yeah. But like score, it's like, sure. I'm sure there's a score. Yeah. I mean, of course, you got to give credit to him. but And you got to put the theme in there but yeah it just it's more about the sound design which i think it should be yeah i think and i didn't think of it like too when i heard the theme going oh predator theme you know how like when you hear yeah bits and pieces of like a john williams part in some of the new star wars you'll hear some of his yeah oh yeah use of it and you're like oh right that feels of this moment totally so it wasn't there it wasn't a swell where it's like oh this is like my childhood this was uh, music i mean is a predator theme sure but i even in movie that I didn't recognize. I'm I won't not... hear that going, oh, Predator. Yeah. Like, if I heard it separate, I probably wouldn't even know that was from no. the Predator. And that was probably him. That would have been yeah, two years before Back to the Future 2. Yeah. So. And that's not a knock on Alan Sylvester. He's a wonderful composer. No, no, he's really good. You know? and, and that he'll, was... he'll make it someday, I think. Yeah, I think he'll he do He has a good future. But... He did that one movie, that Back to the Future movie, and that was it. Yeah. <laughs> and then he just stopped after that. Um, I think... I think any composer would agree that it's really about not about the score; it's about the sound. When it's a sound design movie, and that's what it was. So, because mm-hmm. uh, yeah, you had so many things. It's like you had to the quiet of the jungle. Every gun had to have a gun sound, or everyone had to have like sort of their unique gun. And then, right, the predator had its three different guns: a vision, a noise. So that it was just about building this creature. Yeah, and and I think that's what was the sort of music of the of the movie was that, and it was it was great. Yeah, because like you think Jaws and Jaws needed a theme because sharks don't make noise. You know, there's no unless you're in one of the shark movies that we see, and then there are shark noises. That didn't he needed a theme to know the shark was there, right? Because like with the predator, you could hear that little echo sound, mm-hmm. and and then you'd hear something going like ooh. Predators around. I hear the little echoey sound. Yeah, that and something coming on. That, that, that little yeah, so just like, enough oh. where it's like I know he's in that scene right. without having the theme. So that's probably why it was like, well, we don't want to be bogged down by theme. We're also making an action film. Yeah. He was probably even surprised. Why Why am I here? Maybe, yeah. It's like, let's get the Back to the Future guy. <laughs> sure. I mean... I, I always know. felt like Back to the Future was a really violent film. Yeah. And, and he really scored the violence well. 
You mean when he punches Biff? Yes. That's it. It's a pretty solid punch, though. I want to feel that moment of Biff being punched through the whole movie. Like spun him around. That's yeah. how they pitched it to him. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I think overall, you know, the movie was an enjoyable... What I expected was an enjoyable, sort of fun movie. Yeah. And I think it, for the most part, delivers. In some parts, it really delivers that way. Um, it's just, you know, a few things that... Yeah. <laughs> talking about, like... Going backstage, in a sense, and seeing, you know, how the sausage is made, it's right. like, yeah, you know that there were certain issues and maybe reshoots on the on the thing where, mm. you know, you had one movie in the first editor's cut or whatever, director's cut, yeah. and something wasn't working or whatever, and you had to go reshoot and just reconfigure the whole movie, and maybe some of those story points were... Mm-hmm. Um, gutted or thwarted because you know you know of uh circumstance so i i I don't know we don't know but which is a shame especially with a writer like shane black which should basically by now get you know his script made the way it's written you know right and directing he had could call the shot and yes could i make a one-hour youtube video yeah i could easily make a one-hour youtube video either lifting it up and picking it apart I choose not to. I, I just, I have energy to talk about it with you or like other people I know mm-hmm. that watch film. I don't have that type of energy to shoot a YouTube video, right. <laughs> edit the YouTube video to put it up. And it's like, you know what? It's fine. He made a movie. Yeah. I'm, I'm okay with that. And the one thing I will say before we move on is it's not even a spoiler because it's in the trailer is I love that it's not a Shane Black Christmas. He literally chose <laughs> Halloween, which works within the story, yeah. which you didn't really need it, but. It does work within the yeah. story. It's just funny that it opens up and it's Halloween. And it was almost like him going, ha ha, not all <laughs> my movies take place at Christmas. Yeah, I was waiting for the snowfall, the, the sort of like nod to Christmas. or But yeah. I almost happen. thought it was going to be, it opens up on Halloween, something happens two months later, and we're at Christmas. Oh, I, yeah, I just yeah, thought yeah. it was going to be that his own that been in good. joke yeah. of... No, it's not Christmas. It's Halloween. <laughs> ha ha. Kidding. It's still Christmas. <laughs> it's sort of on the same theme of we have five Predator movies. We already know five or six. I don't know. I mean, depends on. I mean, I think you count Alien versus Predator. It's all the same. Right, right, right. Um, knowing and we're only watching like the one trailer. So in about a month, we're going to have uh, the Orson Welles final film. Mm-hmm. which has been mythos and build up that, you know, he had a final film, it's been in storage, and then it was found, and then it was restored, and there was Kickstarter and Netflix, and they finally released the trailer for it, and it seems batshit crazy in editing style. Right. And what the movie is. I will enjoy it when I sit down, but is it, are we going to go in knowing so much? It's because it's Orson Welles. Had we been seeing it in 70, probably 8 when... He would have finished it because it was like 70 to 76 when he filmed it. So it probably came out in 78 or something. Yeah. It It's such a weird thing because now this guy is, you know, Hollywood. He's always been Hollywood royalty, but he's like this mythos. His Citizen Kane's always number one on every list. Right. Well, I mean, 70 to 76, that's ridiculous. You know, <laughs> I mean, just to you know, I filmed it in six years. Um, and. Orson Welles was Orson Welles at the point. So it was not like, well, you know, I had to raise money here and then we lost the money and then I had to, and that was a nobody. And they, no, I mean, you could do what you want, but you're like, yeah. because I can do what I want, we'll take six years to make a movie. 
And then he would go and shoot something else or be in a star in something and then go back to shooting this movie. So, yeah, it was him being Orson Welles for six years. Indulging himself. What was the question? You'll enjoy it when you see it, but do you feel like like you're going to critique it more because it's Orson Welles? Like the way I think I'm critiquing Predator a little harder, not because I love the Predator movies, the way I would, like, if they made a Back to the Future 4 or even another one, yeah. it'd be so hard to really enjoy it because of how much I love the original. The way It's sort of the way, like, the Karate Kid and the next Karate Kid, only because of when I saw the Karate Kid as a kid, and then there's a new one, and it's like, why are you treading on old water? But this is not, it's not even, it's a new movie, so it's not a, a new property, it's just Orson Welles. Yeah. Like, if you took Orson Welles' name out of it, and it's like, hey, we found this film from 40 years ago that has John Huston and Peter Bogdanovich. It's like, wow, that's interesting. Now I want to see it, but now it has Orson Welles. So it's like, you feel like, ah, oh, what was Orson Welles thinking? Or is it going to be just film student orgasm for teachers? And it's like, I have another thing to study. <laughs> right. I'm going to teach classes on his final film. Well, I mean, I don't really think, I don't think Orson Welles really approached filmmaking, you know, from a, and even though a lot of this uh, is about you know pop culture and the way things are going, and uh, from what I understand, is very actually true of today and the way things are happening today with social media. Yeah. That truth, you know, transplanted back into even though it was just made in the seventies and it's been released now, but sort of for us as a viewer, that truth transplanted back to the seventies in that world, if social media were in the 70s, this is how it would look. Yeah. Um, so I guess he was, you know, always ahead of his time, that yeah. kind of thing. I mean, quite literally. But he doesn't approach it as, you know, a romp. He doesn't approach it as, oh, it's an entertaining sort of just uh, uh, escapist, you know, yeah. piece. So, yeah, it's definitely going to be indulgent. It's definitely going to be look at me. It's definitely going to be I'm a master filmmaker these are my tools and i'm using them the way that i want to and it's definitely gonna be a think piece for film students yeah i I don't know how accessible it's going to be to us as a uh as a viewing public now Mm -hmm. because of social media because of binge watching because of all this stuff we sort of take in content a little differently now yeah. and these sort of think pieces. In the 70s, there was a lot of think pieces. There was a lot of this stuff. And this is why the box office almost tanked mm-hmm. in the 70s. Um, and it had to bring stuff, you know, the black exploitation film to sort of resurrect the box office of the. A lot, a lot of those were political in nature, mm-hmm. but, you know, mostly dumb action movies yeah you know and that's what people wanted you know yeah. they wanted that sort of escapist oh yeah it was stuff. the mid to late 70s we were going through another <clears throat> shift yeah you know in time and you know class crisis was different. Yeah. yeah so you know now netflix right mm-hmm. so if i'm a netflix watcher you know i have <clears throat> at my fingertips the ability to watch any number of films at any time i want to at any time of the day mm-hmm. And, you know, if you put up the metric, you know, at Netflix Central mm-hmm. of what they do and sort of recently uh, was told and shown a graphic of how they figure this stuff out mm-hmm. about how things are watched and gone. It's really absolutely interesting. Yeah. A little nerdy, but 
it's like a spider web of portals and things that yeah. that they use to uh, determine these things. And you'll see that most of it is the comedies, the personal uh, interest stories, yeah. uh, human interest stories, the um, the things that you probably wouldn't see in a the theater because it's too specific and too has too finite an audience. Or something that's broad and something that's funny and uh, escapist. Yeah. So I don't think this is either of those things. Mm-hmm. And so if I'm like on Netflix, I'm glad that I can watch it. Yeah. But, you know, for the person, like see my mom in Alabama. Yeah. She's going to turn it on and literally in the first minute go, what, what, what is this? Yeah. Like, I, no, I don't want to watch this. Click and yeah. she'll turn on, you know, this is us or whatever. Yeah. It's nice to have it as part of it, but it's not. I don't think it's going to elicit like a conversation, yeah, about anything like it would back then. Yeah, um, for you and me, we'll talk about it to no end, but we're not. You know, we don't represent like the swath of America yeah. that watches Netflix. You know, so I, you know, unfortunately, it's just going to go in there and, and put it in a canon. You know, yeah. and then film students will study it. But is his final film because yeah. it now changes what his final film is uh, yeah. because it was always his final film, but no one had seen it. Right. So you have to go back. It's like, well, actually, this is his final film. But now it's it's weird to change sort of the structure. It's like now here's his final film and you can study it as his final film. You yeah. Because yeah. I mean, sure, it's all theories before that. Well, he was working on this. What do you think? You know, and then you're just theorizing what his final film would have been. Right. And now you actually have it, and you're like, oh, now we have it. I mean, I, I hope it's amazing. I'm sure there'll be parts of it that 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 are amazing. You know, uh, it's yeah. a movie made in the early '70s, early to mid '70s, so it's going to feel like an old movie instantly. Right. It is, but I I, I do hear that it's like definitely of the time and of this yeah it's very relevant today so we'll see yeah i mean i'm i'm sure it's gonna be good it's orson wells it's not like they wouldn't be trying to make it if they saw it and went oh my god we can't have this be his last film because (laughs) i'm sure someone in his family would be like we don't have all the footage and we don't want to release an incomplete film you know because it's like you got to keep his legacy alive and then maybe eventually you just sort of Oh God! Here's his terrible last film. Yeah, you know, and everyone's gonna be have one terrible last film because you don't know when you're gonna go. So it's like, hey, I did that. Oh, yeah. Excuse me. I don't. I just don't think Orson Welles. It's just the. This is the pompous, arrogant, or Orson Welles. Like he's he's not gonna approach filmmaking. I mean, he did theater well before he did Citizen Kane. It was respected, you know. At a very young age. Um, he comes at it, you know, through the Greek tragedy. You know, he's, he's, he, he studies, he's from that school of, you know, the Greek tragedies and, and trying to infuse that world into, into film, mm-hmm. which I love. Yeah, yeah. He, he doesn't, he's, he's going to approach it as this, this is probably the best film that anyone was going to make of the time. Yeah. You know, he's going to be mad about it, like Coppola was with uh, Apocalypse Now. Mm-hmm. You know, he's going to be crazy about it. And this is this is the most important thing uh, that anyone could be doing on Earth, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and so he's going to make sure he uses the tools that he has um, and maximize those tools. Yeah. Uh, storytelling, technology, everything. 
And I think what's fascinating, like when we talked about the on the Stoltz podcast, uh, seeing a Stoltz cut of Back to the Future, this thing of seeing something that we love differently, but we get to see something from someone we like that no one's ever seen. We are getting a piece of history, film history, like seeing an Orson Welles film that no one's seen completed now seems very interesting not like you're stumbling upon it like say you're just starting to get into film you're like oh i've never seen citizen kane that's i'm gonna watch citizen kane now it's like oh wow this guy was really good this is something no one's seen and there's something about that idea of seeing something completed from that time in a vault now like it's like knowing that it exists it's like oh i can't believe we can't see this thing that exists it's not like oh i wish this person you know you hear like um who is it like christopher walken's audition for star wars and it's like, oh, my God, I would love to see that. It's never going to happen. It was never filmed. He auditioned. Yeah. Knowing that something exists that was actually shot, like this, you know, like the Orson Welles film, is going to be very fascinating because you're seeing something made of that time now. You know, not something you're discovering later. It's like no one's seen it. It's No, it's now. very it's very exciting. It's very exciting, uh, especially because someone of his caliber, mm-hmm. you know, we get to see one of the greats, one of the masters. Mm-hmm um his uh what what he was doing back then yeah. you know <clears throat> from scholars to film students you know everybody's coming in cold yeah. and um cuz it's not like there's been incomplete versions it's not like the magnificent ambersons where apparently there's his cut then mm-hmm. this you know then he left and they were mad and then they did their cut like we'll never see his cut cuz that footage is gone this mythos of you know, this is his final film in the state he wanted us to see it, which is kind of rare. I don't, I don't think he's ever had that since Citizen Kane, almost. Right. So did he? Did he finish? He finished it, right? Yeah, he was in the editing process, and then of course, oh, I got to go to Spain and shoot this documentary on, you know, the Carnival. Oh, now I got to go be on Love Boat. Oh, now oh. I got to go shoot pee commercials. You know, so like, it was <laughs> him just sort of floundering, and then didn't have the money then film sat in faults and then they couldn't get the rights back to oh you don't have the money you can't have our film your film back so then it became something that but which is so weird he was very much complete and move on like he loved what he did but it was almost like he later didn't really want to see it to the end in a weird way i have this idea i filmed it i edited it all right i'm moving on no you still have worked like it's almost like i don't like that other stuff i like the idea Hmm. of getting it out in my head seeing the cut that's what I wanted. All right, bye. Like, he did it for himself and no one else, which is kind of how most people do it anyways. But he's sitting in the bay, watches his finished cut. That's it. All right, see you later. I'm going to Carnival. So is that what this – like, he, he edited it, but it didn't go through the – I think, yeah. It, he, from what I've read, is he finished his edit, still had more notes, went to Carnival to shoot some stuff to get more money to then finish it, and then just kept going and then – time slipped away and then you know but 10 years later he passed away which is still so weird just sort of became something else and then it was always about raising money and doing other things and then becomes an alcoholic and so so he was raising money i mean again like it's orson wells how does he, he not have money i know it's like <clears throat> not him but like studios not no totally and it's like these guys they don't they just don't give them their due. I mean, I, I just remember listening to an uh, interview a few years ago, Scorsese. He was mm-hmm. like, I, I can't get money for my movies. Like, if I, 
I don't care what I came to the studio with. They'll be like, eh, I really don't know. But if I went with like a teen comedy, he's like, right away. They'll yeah. give me the money right away. So it's like, I he still has trouble. Should he know? do American Pie 5? I would Stacey. love to see it. <laughs> I would love to just to see what he would do with it. Like, if he could, if he could, though, that's the thing. Because that movie Clockers by Spike Lee. Mm-hmm. Uh, Scorsese was supposed to direct. Okay. And so he was, I think, in pre-production, and he just couldn't find, he just couldn't find a vision for it. Okay. And so he said, so he, he think I think this is my friend Spike Lee. I think he could do something with this. So he called Spike and asked him to do it, and obviously he did. So he was not going to do it if he doesn't. If he can't bring something to yeah. it, if he feels he can't bring something to it. So I don't know if he would, but if he would, if he can, if he can go all the way through and get Martin Scorsese's yeah. American Pie 5, yeah. that would be amazing. I think people would see it because they'd be baffled. Yeah. So he chose, this is the Martin Scorsese. It's not right. spelled differently and it's some other guy. It's not his kid, right? It's not right. Martin Scorsese Jr. Yeah, directed by Martin Scorsese. Wait, what? what? It, no, it has to be like... Is there, there's someone else. The third, the fourth. Is there? How many kids? Does he have kids? I don't know. I know. Is this like the white Morgan Freeman or whatever? <laughs> it's like, okay, yeah, that that guy. Yeah, you know? it's Orson Welles, Kubrick, all these guys who just are gonna make the movie they're gonna make. I mean, again, seventy, seventy six. You know, any other artist or filmmaker at the time might be like. Yeah, it's just it's just not working. I got to raise the money myself. Mm, no, oh, but they'll give me money for this romantic comedy yeah. or whatever. Why not just go do those and live live life? Well, and too, and it, from what I read too is like Orson Welles has always had a combative relationship yeah. with the studio, so I imagine they were never happy with him. No, so I'm That's making true. I'm making this movie about you know a famous person who's down on their career. All right, here's some money. All right, I'm two years over. I need more money. Dude, we already gave you money <laughs> two years ago for this movie. Yeah. And then you look at the footage and you go, wow, it's kind of pretentious and this. And I don't know what to think. We're kind of used to it now, like the fast cutting and stuff mm-hmm. like that. But back then, yeah. the quote unquote MTV cutting that Scorsese refers to, that Chains film, wasn't at all uh, the order of the day. It was no. actually the exact opposite. So what he was doing was like, I. I'm, I'm at the studio and I'm, I don't I don't know what this is. I have no I can't rest on anything long enough to like care. You, you know? made three cuts in one minute. That is too much for us. Yeah, I mean it's just like use the long take and all the seventies. I mean that's what it was about. You know, just sort of um, the sort of meditation almost of you know characters yeah. and, and trying to get the audience to like be drawn in slowly into someone's world or a world or universe and this quick cutting was just not how you did things um and i mean that's evident of what some people did but and yeah their quick cutting was different than what quick cutting became but like it's even present from like some of the the schlock we've been seeing like the 70s 80s ones where we'll watch it going wow we're still on this one shot and it's not because i need things faster i'm used to a different pace we right. all grow with a different pace now because we're used to we keep seeing new things and the pace keeps changing but all right there there he is we're still on him. is this style why are we still on him 
oh, he's talking to someone. Why aren't we cutting to the person right. he's talking to? Is this the style? Like, you're trying to, like, wrap your head around, like, maybe this guy's a genius making steel hands. Yeah. Well. He wasn't. Okay. <laughs> and his hands weren't steel. He wasn't. That sounded, you sounded like uh, uh, Ron. Uh, <laughs> yeah. The narrator. <laughs> it's the best idea it was. It wasn't. <laughs> oh, the narrator. Wow. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm excited, you know, because I, I do like Orson Welles. I was yeah. having a uh, semi-heated, uh, friendly discussion about Orson Welles the other night with a couple of friends. And one of them just was an Orson hater, yeah. uh, hater of Citizen Kane, yeah. uh, which, you know, we the other guy and I had, you know, had to take everything in us not to, like, you yeah. know, reach back and sort of punch the guy <laughs> but it's like why are we still friends with you it's just movies um yeah i'm i'm personally excited about it but i don't know if i count i'm uh you know I like film i like yeah you know it's more of like, like him i hope it's just a good movie overall uh, ultimately I'm with anything i always hope everything's a good movie that i see but i think i'm yeah i'm more excited that it's his film i just hope it's good you know yeah because there's that thing of it's weird. It's no one's pushed to make finish this film, and I get it. There was a lot of film that was missing and mislabeled in film vaults in France. So I get it. It wasn't that it was just sitting in you know his estate's uh, storage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we have his film in storage. We just don't know what to do with it. No, that something would have happened. This that took a lot of wheels to get this in motion. But I think that's it too. It's this thing that has been you know mythosed for so long. Oh, he has a finished final film that no one's seen. It's like. Why not? I need to see it because now we just live in that age. Like oh, I got to see everything, right? Stupid binge watching. In some ways, it's you know, it's almost for lore. <clears throat> it's almost better to have it as it's in the vault somewhere. Yeah. We don't know it, it to, for it to live there forever. Yeah, it's almost better than you know what we found it, pieced it together. Here it is because now you see it. The greatest speech or the greatest poem. Uh, ever mm-hmm. you know and you shoot a story about that yeah you can't actually recite the poem you can't mm-hmm. actually show that because once you do someone would assail it as oh this is not that great i don't yeah. know why this is the greatest ever but if you just refer to it mm-hmm. it's like okay it just yeah. lives above the realm of sort of reality but yeah. once you bring it into the world it can be analyzed scrutinized and everything well, it's so. sort of the, uh, that Jerry Lewis film, The Day the Clown Cried or something. It's the one where he's dressed as a clown. And I he know takes, of it. I, I, I he's he's it. the I clown know. that takes the Jewish kids into mm-hmm. the chambers for to be murdered. It's like, wow, you chose Ooh. to make this film? But then <laughs> yeah. I think he saw it and went, yeah, I can't release this. It'll never be released while I I'm alive. couldn't, yeah. yeah. And, now, and now that he's passed, there are people like, is it going to come? But although no one's really like, I need this. It's like, is it going to come out? <laughs> Yeah, I don't. Is it the day the clown died, I don't. Know, it's, it's something about a clown, and yeah. And I, then when you read the synopsis of it, you're like, "Ooh, yeah, this got cleared to make." <laughs> and then Jerry Lewis, I mean, why? Well, I mean, you start there. Jerry Lewis is a clown. I'm interested. Go yeah, on. Yeah, for sure. He takes kids. Go on. I'm excited. Jewish kids. I'm getting a little worried. Yeah. Into the chambers where they're gassed. I think we're gonna have a hard pass on this one. I think I'm. Uh, I think we're good. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean... Can we just go back to Jerry Lewis as a clown? Yeah. And keep going from... And, uh, yeah, that's, that's just something fun, right? That's not fun. And, and, and this terrible, isn't like this weird awful. thing like Jerry Lewis did when it was like the late 70s, 80s, and it's like, I got a weird movie, I'm old and crazy. This is young. Yeah. Ish. It, I mean, it, he was young-ish. Yeah, that, that, yeah, just hearing about it, I was like, I can't <laughs> even imagine why anyone would make it. It's just terrible. It's a horror movie. I don't know. I don't want to. I don't want to see that. Like I would never watch it. Um, but yet, like Martin Scorsese, I have an idea for a movie. Yeah, yeah. And I know you're Scorsese, but I don't know. The money's kind of tight. We got this Jerry Lewis clown yeah. movie that we're dying to He's make. Like, <laughs> you come in and pitch, pitch something. Martin Scorsese still has to come in and pitch. You know. And I guess I don't know if. Probably Netflix outbid everybody for yeah. his, his Irishman movie, but that's kind of where he is now. He yeah. he might be a Netflix guy now. Yeah, that's it. You know. Although the only thing I'm concerned, and also don't care either, is that I just haven't really liked the last few things Scorsese has done because he keeps making the same movie. Except for Silence. Silence was something really weird, not very good, but different. It wasn't the same. Hey, De Niro's a gangster. Awesome. Right. Like, I just feel like I do like Scorsese's style, but he makes the same goddamn film every time. And not in the way Tarantino makes the same film. Yeah. Because Tarantino, all his films will be different, but it's a Tarantino film. But you know it's Tarantino, yeah. But Scorsese film, it's like, it starts off, all right, what's this? Oh, we're at a casino. Okay. There's De Niro. All right, I know what the rest of this film is. I just don't know the order of people are going to die. I mean, in a sense, it's it's true. You know, that's that's you know, he's found his his wheelhouse, and yeah. you know, I know he has a bunch of interests, mm-hmm. and always has, in a wide range of subjects. But he does sort of gravitate towards that, or maybe guys like Terry Winter, who I think wrote the script. You know, who did um, Boardwalk Empire mm-hmm. and Sopranos? I think okay. sort of brings this stuff to him. Yeah. You know, they're friends of his, his, and they just like, oh, Scorsese would be great for this. I got a mob piece, Scorsese, Scorsese, yeah. and they bring it to him, and he, you know, he can do something with it, but right. you're right. It's it's sort of like. Well, and the way you're saying, like, else. he wants to be able to feel something for it, it's like, how. Is it just because you know how to make that movie, so you feel like you're connected to the mob movie more so than a movie like Clockers, which would have been interesting yeah. for him to do absolutely so it's it's almost like he's stuck in his own wheelhouse because that's how he can get money to make movies because he loves making movies so it's like well if i can only get money making movies making mobster movies fine i'll just keep doing this yeah i mean maybe that's it i know he wants to do other things um and maybe the and i think that probably the other things he wants to do the studios are like i don't know if it's gonna make money yeah you know um fortunate for him um he loves working with uh, DiCaprio and vice versa. They have a great working relationship, and he wants to do more with him. Yeah. So if you bring him on board, obviously, it's funny. It's like, Scorsese, if you can attach Leo, then we'll talk. Yeah, then we'll get you some money. Yeah. but like, That's uh, usually what you do when you're an unknown. Right. I'm friends with Leo. Okay, we'll make your movie. Yeah. You you get him to sign a letter of intent or whatever, then yeah, good. Then we can raise money off of that, but otherwise, no. So, you know, we'll see. You know, yeah. the Irishman's coming up. But it's it's going to be him. It's going to be Scorsese. And, you know, I don't know if it's going to be 
the transformative movie that Goodfellas was. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I don't know if he he has that you know in him anymore. Yeah. You know, because I feel like he's done it. Yeah, and I feel like he's been sort of chasing that dragon of making that same movie, like the feeling of that movie again. And it's like, no, I really like this. I want to keep making that movie. Well, you made it already. It's really good. You know? Yeah. And I get it. Everyone has their their thing, and that's his thing. And he wants to keep doing that, which is great. Someone's going to really enjoy that. No, absolutely. You know, he kind of, like, when he steps out of his uh, uh, wheelhouse, it's, you know, I won't say he has... uh, he stumbles at all because I don't think he does, <clears throat> but uh, I think he makes movies the way he makes them, and there's certain subtexts and, and volatility that happens in movies that you know is very powerful, mm-hmm. but is not necessarily accessible to an audience that say just wants to go to the multiplex yeah. and watch a. Because well, he made something I don't know his filmography as much as I should, and I'm gonna look it up real quick. He did something I really... I mean, he's done a lot I've actually really liked. It's not like I'm just shitting on him. It's oh, like, of course. It's like, oh, I only like I this it. one film. It was just... It's almost to the point where it's like, I'm surprised he doesn't do more of one thing. Uh, Hugo. I liked Hugo a lot. Remember that one? That oh, was I the... I remember Hugo. Yeah. Yeah. So I thought that was really outside the box for him. And it also didn't feel like... Which we talk about sometimes where it's like, I think anyone could have directed that. Not that I'm saying anyone could have directed Hugo, but I thought he did a really good job on Hugo, and I never felt like, oh, this is a Scorsese film. I just felt like Scorsese made a really good film. Yeah. And, well, Hugo was also about, like, the movie image and history of cinema, in a sense, and uh, he has a deep affection for that, you know? And it uh, showed within the movie. Absolutely. So it was all over there, and I think he wanted to make that for kids, and he wanted to sort of also show people the charm, the magic, mm-hmm. the majesty of cinema and what it meant to him, yeah. you know, as a kid and and what it can do. Yeah. You know? um, I tend to, I'm looking at sort of what he's done and I feel like I like more of the movies that aren't the gangster style movies. Like, I like Bringing Out the Dead. Bizarre. Nick yes, Cage, Nick Cage, yes, actually. So. Yeah. Um, Aviator. I, I thought was that. really well done. I don't, I didn't like The Departed the way everyone else loved The Fucking Departed. Uh, I thought Shutter Island was really interesting. This was his Leo run. Yeah. And then True. Hugo. But not not to say that anything else isn't good. Cape Fear was pretty good. I like I mean, Cape Fear. I thought he did a good job. I mean, I always liked Color of Money, which was good. Mm-hmm. Last Temptation of Christ is really... Like, you look at it and he has such a weird filmography of these films... But then everything in between that is a gangster film. Right. So it's kind of like, I guess you can't always just be doing something completely different. You have to have something, oh, this is sort of my aesthetic. But it's weird. It's like, I like all, I tend to like the ones that aren't the ones everyone loves. You know what I mean? It's just sort of like. Like Shutter Island. Or yeah, like, like I like Shutter uh, And people are just like, oh my God, The Departed, The Casino, and this. And it's like, yeah, those are okay. I mean, they're fine. I just <coughs> don't need to see them again. I like The Departed. I I do wish I do wish I loved it more, because um, it's it's a great it's a good film. Yeah, it's a good film. Yeah. I I can't call it great because it, it's like of that gangster film, and because I'm the metric, you know, what I'm measuring it 
the measuring stick I'm using is the Goodfellas. It's his right. own film. It's not that. I'm not saying it has to be Goodfellas, but it has to be as powerful, but in a different way. And I say it has to be because it's him. If it was Joe Filmmaker, right. I'd be like, well, you're not. Dude, you're not Scorsese. <laughs> but, <laughs> but this is Scorsese. So I'm like, you got to you gotta bring it more. Yeah. I mean, this is the subject matter of the department is not any less interesting than Goodfellas. It's got a lot of stuff in it. I just felt like it, it wasn't as gripping and compelling. Mm-hmm. And, and Goodfellas, as compelling as it is, is a smaller film than Departed. Mm-hmm. You know, in terms of scope, probably not. But um, in terms of shooting, and, and I don't think it's in what he had to work with. Yeah, you know, it's it's a smaller film. Yeah. Um, you know. Uh, I like when he plays with things like Shutter Island or um, Bringing Out the Dead. I mean, Bringing Out the Dead, people forget about that. Yeah. That was just, yeah. You know, I was like, okay, we got a, we got a new almost, guy on our hands. I almost feel like that's more of him as a filmmaker. These weird ones that people don't appreciate are the ones I think he likes. Yeah. And I get it. He's He knows how to craft. He understands the idea of the mob movie. So, and I think that's why they're always so good is he understands the idea of the characters and probably can tell the actors and really embrace it. But the weird stuff I think is good because it's weird and he makes anyone, those are the films I feel anyone else couldn't do right. Or you would have a different version if someone else did it. Whereas some of these gangster movies, even though he does craft up, feel like if you had that cast, you're going to get that movie. I don't know if I would get bringing out the dead from someone else. Right. Or tempt last temptation of Christ from someone else. You know, it's I don't know, I feel like sometimes his artistry is more in that than the gangster films. Even though I know they're well crafted, I just feel like I've seen it. Yeah. He makes but you know, if he makes another Shutter Island or another Bringing Out the Dead, you'd be like, Well, I've seen it. It's because he's making all these mob movies, you're like yeah. Well, I've seen all these mob movies, and most of these mob movies are your mob movies. Yeah. You know, those, that's ingrained in my head. Other than The Godfather, it's like, as far as film, it's like it's Goodfellas and, uh, you know, Mean Streets or uh, uh, Departed or uh, Casino. Yeah. It's just like it's sort of the um, iconic, you know, mob director. Right. You know? And. You know, he grew up around these guys, but I know he he doesn't want to be sort of uh, typecast into being just a mob director. I mean, yeah. he has a lot of things he wants to do, but, you know, this is something that, you know, bringing back uh, De Niro and working with Pacino and doing all that kind of Pesci stuff. And, and Pesci. It's like, yeah, you know, get the boys back together and bring in Pacino. Yeah. So get Ray, Ray Liotta in there. And- yeah. It's almost now he's going to just mix everyone he's ever worked with in one gigantic series. Yeah, and I think that's what he wanted. He mentioned working the rest of his life with uh, DiCaprio, so he wants to do more stuff with him. I saw that uh, that he's announced (coughs) that he's going to do a Theodore Roosevelt film with Leo as Theodore Roosevelt. I think I did see that. Sure, I'm sure it'll be fine. I'll I'll get it as a screener next year. Um, as we close out, we'll talk a little about uh, regular work. My canceled show, which mm-hmm. we talked about, is semi-uncanceled. Sort of resurrected in sort a Sort of sense. resurrected. Um, a rando call last week, uh, so I'm 
back on un- on canceled show. <laughs> you can't quit it, or it I, won't quit you. It won't quit. It's which takes me not necessarily paid, but it takes me fifteen months onto said canceled show. Wow. So that's kind of weird. I've never had that before. I've never. I've never seen it. I mean, the closest I've seen is like people that redo pilots. You know, it's like, hey, didn't you work on that pilot? Yeah, we. They did. Then we recast it. Now we're shooting a new pilot. Right. So that's usually, I've never seen anything die and come back. Nope, right. it's done. We're all done. Hold on. To sort of bring it full circle, I mean, what we were talking about in the beginning, um, you know, the platforms that where we watch things, all the, the social media, the, the uh, we watch a bunch of stuff on our phones, maybe mm-hmm. even more than 50% of stuff on our phones. Yeah. Um, or computers or certain tablets or no. not TVs. Right, um, exactly. And it's 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 given birth to uh, a lot of different platforms. Mm-hmm. And so said canceled show now has a lot of different avenues today that it didn't have back in, say, you know, in the 90s. Yeah. This may be uh, uh, more comic, becoming more common. I guess in the future, um, yeah. it's still going to be uh, uncommon because at the end of the day, said canceled show was a canceled show. Yeah. So it's like, well, why did an unaired yeah. canceled show? Unaired canceled show. Why didn't you air it? Why'd you cancel it? Yeah. And why do you want me to take it on? Yeah. And so those are the those are the the the, the hurdles that you got to jump over in order to get someone to buy your show yeah. and resurrect it. Um. You know, and there are a lot of reasons why you would do it, you know, just based upon the content and the audience that you have. Um, we're learning, well, we knew this, but we're learning just because of the internet, there's so many different tastes out there yeah. and there's something for everybody. So this show that was canceled here may hit over here because, you know, th- this is the kind of content that this this audience yeah. wants or whatever. You just never know. Uh, but there are a lot more. The market out there is a lot uh, more dense mm-hmm. than it was. And it's more accessible now because of the internet online. And that's yeah. generally how people watch things. And it's just going to go more towards, you know, on demand, you know, right. viewing. This whole model of even, you know, the, th- the stuff coming out in the theater and, you know, uh, coming out Friday, you know, the model of in theaters and on iTunes the same day. It's probably going to just keep happening because yeah. they know people won't watch it unless they can just have it in their hands and they can push a button and go oh well i can see it right now okay i'll I, do that i'm that person so, so yeah <laughs> and it's like even if you spend the same amount of money that you would in a theater some people go well i don't have to go anywhere i don't have to do, you know i can just do it right now i can just go home and watch it right yeah. now sure i'll do that I, it doesn't surprise me but it's still a rare thing yeah you know, uh, I've known a couple of instances where back in the day where a show got canceled and then picked up on another network. Right. And always it's about money. It's always about, well, this network, the studio already, you know, uh, was putting on the show. Mm-hmm. And after a certain amount of years, um, you know, the... Uh, the studio doesn't get as much money. It goes to the network. So the balance of um, revenue uh, teeters towards the network after a few years. If the network's willing to let it go, then the the, ne- the new network picking it up 
reaps all that benefits of getting the money mm-hmm. um and they already have the studio making money so it it just has to be economically obviously and a lot of times those are those things like with brooklyn 99 it was universal for fox fox didn't want it anymore so nbc it, it's not too often where it would be abc for abc mm-hmm. it's you know it's a it's a i say touchstone hasn't existed like abc studios for abc if they canceled it yes there is still the slimmest chance it can go somewhere else if someone wants to front the money but you'll see more than likely than not that it would be the studio picking it up for their own network if you're like a, a an abc universal or something where you have your own channel where it's like yeah i know it's universal for fox but you know we're gonna pick it up yeah you know or, yeah, or Fox for NBC. NBC's like, yeah, we don't want it. Fox's like, you know, we really still like the show. We still think there's something in it. So we'll just put it on our channel now. Yeah. So I think it depends on who's producing and who's distributing. And But, yeah, no, it does happen. It's just I just haven't done canceled back. Well, canceled, <laughs> canceled back, but canceled back not airing. It hadn't been that long, yeah. really. I mean, it's been well long before it was... You were quote unquote done. Right. And then it just sort of uh, meandered on through the months and you kept doing stuff. And mm-hmm. I was like, wow, he's still working on this thing. And so you're like, yep, still working on this show. And then not too long after that, it was like, oh, well, I just got a random email. You know, they're kind of bringing it about whatever. Yeah. Um, and they're still even vague about it. I'm doing work. Mm-hmm. But it's still very vague. And it's, well, are you doing something or not? I mean, I don't care. I'll do the work. I mean, you're going to pay me, so I'm doing the work. But right. it's like, well, you know, we're still not sure. I feel like if you're spending money, you're more than not sure. Yeah. So I don't know. It's just weird. It's like, oh, so we're uncanceled? Sort of. Okay. So there's there's a chance. I mean, most, most of the times it's like when, like I said, last season, last year, I did a pilot and of course it did not go mm-hmm. and then you go well i mean everybody shops stuff around yeah. because it's like well if we can we just spent a million or two dollars on this thing yeah. let's try to get it out yeah. somewhere and uh that happens for about two weeks and you're just like yeah no, no one no one bit so eh, done and it is funny because that that's such a new model now where if you're on a show it's like oh it looks like we're gonna cancel don't worry we're gonna shop it around before yeah. it's like, hey, we're getting canceled. Oh, yeah. All right, I guess we're done. Yeah. You know, there were no other avenues. No. I mean, unless it was a like a Brooklyn Nine Nine thing, where, well, maybe. I mean, are we doing well enough where NBC wants us? I mean, but that was more of a swell. That was a unique. Right. Brooklyn Nine Nine was definitely a unique circumstance, but right. Generally, it's like, oh, we're getting canceled. Anywhere else? Oh yeah, let's do that. Yeah. Before, hey, we're getting canceled. Oh, all right. Yeah. When's my last day? Notes slipped under the door. It's sort of like the days that I used to hate because I haven't worked on anything that was we'd air while we shoot. Mm -hmm. I mean, in a while. So it was always like we're going to shoot these bank of episodes, Mm -hmm. edit them, and then release all of them. And the ratings come out and you're like, well, doesn't really matter to me. I may be on something else. I'm already somewhere else. Yeah, yeah. I moved on. Yeah. So it's like, all right, whatever. But, um, I remember going in when I was working on shows that would air. I'm sure you do too. It's just like every day you go in, when those first numbers come out, even if they're good, you know enough to know after a few shows, 
that yeah week two that's the week yeah. it's not the first week everybody's curious about yeah. it yeah week two comes out and it's like you know oh they dipped 80 percent or something you go all right i gotta print my resume yeah. and then every day it's like are we still good are we still good haven't heard anything and it's, yeah, it's like, like how's the fan response how yeah. is, is the network still behind it are they going to do a little more advertising or they've already bailed yeah you know yeah there are clues yeah. like if they they're not doing any advertising and they're not doing yeah, they pulled all advertising yeah. oh so you're just going to let us flail yeah and then and the 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 big tail which is like a punch to the gut is when that one assistant calls post and they go um yeah, uh, Shirley doesn't want cuts anymore. Yeah. Then you go, oh, and she's like the VP or something. You go, she's the one that gives notes. Yeah. You go, oh, um, yeah. So don't you don't have to worry about going to her house. I know you guys are driving around all night. Don't have to worry about going to her house to drop off a cut. You go, oh. oh. And you're sitting there going, oh, so do we have a new Shirley? Yeah. Are, are we being reassigned? No. Oh. Okay. Uh, there you go. That's that's the tell, and then like a couple days later, it's like done. And where's my current resume? Click 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 yeah, click. Yeah, exactly. Where did I update it? Like, okay, Just adding to it, adding this show to it, and then yeah. put a date end date on it. Yeah, as, as opposed to like, <laughs> oh, it's 2018 to present. Yeah, I'll just take the present off and go to 2018 Pretty and just much. call it a day. I know. It, it's sort of like like you're saying, yeah, like the show we're currently on. We may or may not move forward. We do not know, no but we'll knows. finish it. Yeah. So it's that weird thing of it doesn't matter. So whenever they make that announcement, we may be done. I mean, everything's different. We may know before we finish and we may know after. But it is weird. Once you drop off the boxes, it's like, call me. Yeah. You just sort of move on to the next thing. Yeah. And, and if you get something else, I mean, you go on to that. You yeah. know, that's, that's what it is. I know. And it is weird because it's the first time in a while that I don't technically. Ha- I mean, we're, we're still on for like at least another month or so. But I don't have anything sort of in the works. Yeah. It's like, oh, crap. I really do have to update my resume. I know. And something will. I mean, something will come up. But it's the first time there hasn't even been rumblings where it's like uh, like our line producer produces a lot of shows. And sometimes it's like, hey, I have this thing. Or I hear of something. But this is sort of like, oh, nothing? All right. I'm ready. Yeah. And it's just bizarre. I know. But, you know, that happens, and then seven things come up. It's the nature. So. It's the nature of the business, really. Yeah. It's it's sort of a, a co-worker of mine just was that thing of was looking for work or looking for work, didn't have anything, then got four calls. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, I don't know what to do. It's like, pick whatever one you like. You're, you're in a good position. Yeah. Which one has the better money? Which one is closer to home? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And that's that nice one where you're like, oh, my God, I can choose. But then you're like, start doing math. Do you have air dates? No, I like that. You know, is it an established show? Decision. Yes, I liked established shows because they're not going to pull the plug when you know you start airing. Right. You know, you go on a season two doesn't mean you can't be canceled, but it's like we're definitely going to go beyond two right. episode airings. You know? Exactly. Is it a first season? Is it got buzz? Who's in it? You have to do like your own graph. All right, I'm choosing <laughs> this one. Yeah, it's it's definitely a process to figure that out when you get those when you get that rare opportunity. Yeah, yeah. So. Um, which is which is nice, yeah. you know. Embarrassment of riches. Yeah, it's like, yeah. do you pay right? Good. Yep. That's always my first thing. Pay. All right, I'm good. Yeah. It's gonna be miserable. <laughs> yeah, but it pays right. But my bank account will be happy. Yeah, my bank account will be happy <laughs> for the next three months. All right. Well, that's uh. Oh yeah. Uh, uh, Twitter and Instagram because John and Rob and because John and Robert. Um, SoundCloud, iTunes, 
maybe YouTube one day. I don't know. Maybe. Watch our Predator video. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. This has been Post Apocalyptic. This is Rob. This is John. Take it easy. Thank <laughs> you.